The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're so excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. But that's not all. Have you ever wanted to see yourself as a character in a story? Now teachers and students can create their custom game avatars and see them come to life on an augmented reality poster. To learn more about Classcraft's story mode and the new AR experience, simply visit classcraft.com. It's one of those things that's worth going at yeah. least once for, like Disneyland. for the <laughs> Yeah, it's like Disneyland for educators. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will recap the ISTE conference and let you know where we are headed next. We will discuss the value of attending small versus large conferences. And our guests this week are Steve Isaacs and maker extraordinaire Jesus Huerta. So we're we're back. Have you caught up on your sleep? Uh, I've been trying to. I'm oh, trying not to left. get sick. You, you, like, you went from Philly and now you're in like somewhere. North Dakota. North Dakota. Yep. I'm in North One of the Dakota. Oh, yep. so you're like North Dakota population, the Irvins. Yes. Yeah, I remember you said there was nobody here. <laughs> so we're in central, <laughs> south central North Dakota in Jamestown. So Fantastic. Uh, that's where my in-laws live. And so we're spending the 4th of July here. And then we're going to head back home uh, before I we you know continue our our travels this summer so um yeah it is nice there though right like it's like countryside it's a little bit hilly isn't it in north dakota uh yeah here in jamestown it's definitely hilly i mean it's definitely uh it's like a little a little city in a uh very rural uh surroundings you know each town is is about a hundred miles away from each other, so it's. I think oh, they. Boy. I think they did that intentionally back in the railroad days. So I think it's Jamestown, Bismarck, they're about a hundred miles away from each other, and Fargo is a hundred sure. miles from Jamestown. So it's interesting along that corridor, the the interstate corridor. Lots lots of empty space there, and a lot of farming. Wow. Yep. Yeah. 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 So ISTE's over. We just yes. uh, we're we're back. It was pretty good week, I think. A yeah, lot of fun. I mean, I, I wish I could have stayed longer, but it was still good while it lasted. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I, I wish we would have got uh, the only regret maybe was that we didn't get er- there earlier for Badge Summit. Um, yeah, just because we wanted to make sure we spent a bunch of time there with Noah and then the rest of the amazing things that happened at Badge Summit. So we were there for about half a day. Um, yeah, and you made it right in time to be able to jump onto <laughs> a uh. Uh, onto a panel on esports, so uh, you were running in, and I mean, it felt I, like it felt like we were just running and running, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like rolled onto my panel like a boss, right? Like it was, I I landed and I told my Uber driver, I have a panel in thirteen minutes or something like. <laughs> I can't remember how long it was, and she just floored it. Mm. So my panel was at one forty, and I got, I literally, she put it in park on uh, outside of temple university at like 138 and i yeah. ran up up the stairs up the elevator um and and just steve was already on the stage with everybody else mm-hmm. uh talking starting to talk and i walked into the room put my suitcase down and walked right up on the stage it was like bam i'm i'm here we can start now 
it was pretty hysterical not and you know if anyone knows me i'm i'm an habitually early person like i i actually um rammy uh who i work with and keith they hate how early i almost always insist on being at the airport for example yeah um to make sure i catch a like i'm habitually early for almost everything all the time so i am not someone who enjoys being late not only do i think it's you know it, it can be unprofessional but i just you know i just like the safety of being somewhere you know well in advance yeah. uh, of when it's happening i think that that just makes sense uh, i know a lot of people that just get by on showing up right at the exact right time and but perfect you know for I'm, them. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah and i'm just not one of those people that's comfortable with that so it was pretty wild but uh but yeah so i think in the future um you know i i think we're gonna continue to try to participate in badge summit i we yeah. really like it yes um we'll just come on the friday from now on yeah um so that we're there for the saturday for the whole day i think that's one of the things that we both took away as far as like you know something we're gonna fix for for future years so um definitely looking forward to badge summit 2020 in anaheim it, it should be it should it'll be great i yeah. have no doubt it's always great yeah, no, I love um, I love Badge Summit. Yeah, totally. Like tons of smart people, great conversations. Um, it's always uh, a, a lot of uh, interesting talk, and you get to meet some people we've never met before. Like for example, we just had um, that on Education Presents with Marin Dawes and uh, Kathleen Beachboard, and we met them at Badge Summit. Yes, didn't I didn't know them prior to Badge Summit, right? Nope, we didn't know them at all. Uh, Noah actually introduced us to them and said, "You need to talk to these people," and he was right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, their story is amazing. Like, mm -hmm. and the book is awesome. And the, the like, you got to go listen to that episode of On Education Presents because it's they're fantastic people, and we wouldn't have met them if it wasn't for Badge Summit. Mm -hmm. So, um, we gotta we gotta keep doing that for sure. A um, lot of other pretty great experiences. I, I think you know, as far as like the podcast and getting our ourselves out there and stuff. This Best of ISTE by Soundtrap was a pretty amazing experience right yeah that was amazing uh they had set up that uh, kind of a booth that had plexiglass uh so it was a recording studio basically inside of the vendor area yeah uh, which muffled out all of the different sounds and then you could professionally record inside of it which we need to get one of those booths i don't know what they cost uh -huh. but <laughs> it was super cool looking and uh they had all their interviews set up and uh, it just looked it looked fantastic and then it sounded amazing and then i mean just to have the opportunity to be interviewed by a, another podcaster that was pretty cool too yeah yeah so we'll put the interview our interview in the show notes and then we'll put like the whole um best of it because there was like it was pretty rad the people that were on that list and then there's us so yeah um ton, tons of great people tons of great interviews i've listened to a few of them some of our friends were on the best of isti by soundtrap as well um and we couldn't think you know audrey uh, has been amazing uh and rod Berger was a fabulous interviewer it was great to i always enjoy being interviewed because i'm definitely reflective of their process and their questioning style and and how everyone's a little bit different right even you and i are different in the way that we ask questions and i'm thinking about that a lot too yeah but it was neat to just it's always fun to be interviewed, especially by a professional, someone who kind of does this all the time because you get to experience 
um, you know, their style and, and the way they do things, right? Yeah, no, I, I love the interview process. And I, I actually had really, really great questions too. So uh, yeah. def- definitely take a listen. I think you will enjoy it. So we got a lot going on. We did get a ton accomplished. I, I had a bunch of meetings with a bunch of folks about some really cool ideas. And they're all in, like, we we can't announce really any of them just yet. And I don't want to put the cart before the horse. And I'm historically, you know, um, I typically do that. So <laughs> I got to I gotta keep it quiet a little bit. But we do have some really great um, ideas and collaborations. And it's... Um, fun to be in an environment where everyone is thinking about ways to work together that's what i think is a good takeaway from isti for me this year it's like it's like can we have a conversation about how we do things and how you do things and then how might we be able to do things together and when you just frame it like that without any preconceived ideas of what might happen and what might come out of it i I think i've found that um we've come up with some really creative thoughts on how to work with some some groups and some companies um some of them are huge names in Mm -hmm. education and ed tech um so we got a lot going on and um you know it's going to culminate with um you know going to a bunch more conferences we got a lot more to do right this year's going to be bonkers still it it felt too like last year we were still kind of new at the entire thing so it felt very, yeah. it felt very, uh, you know, intimidating, or I, I don't even know if that's an exact word, but it definitely didn't feel natural. This time around, it felt like, hey, we're we're here to do our job and try to get as many of these interviews as we possibly can, and then yeah. try to try to gather interviews as we can, even at the conference itself. You know, try yeah. to try to talk to those the people that we feel our listeners. Uh, really want to uh, hear their stories and and that they have powerful things to go ahead and say. So, I think we got uh, so many great people to come onto the show and and uh, we're we're glad to sh- share it with you guys. So much so much different between this year and last year. Last year, I think almost killed us. Um, <laughs> we were trying to put out a podcast a day, like literally there while we were there. So this year, you'll notice that all of almost all of the ISTE podcasts have come out after ISTE, mm-hmm. um, which I think has actually been good. It's been good for you, and it's it's been good for for both of us to yeah. be able to push those out later. Um, but also, we haven't really spent a whole lot of time with like brands with companies and you know, we get a giant amount of email yeah um because we're set up as media um so all of these companies want us to come to their booth and talk to them and whatever and you know we took almost none of those calls uh none of those emails and we did it for a reason we wanted to talk to educators mm-hmm. we wanted to talk to the teachers and so another big difference, other than it not killing us this year um, in terms of the workload, was that we got the interviews we wanted. We targeted some specific people. We And almost everyone said yes. Yeah. And if they didn't say yes, it was almost always because it was just like a major scheduling thing. Yeah. It was not because they didn't want to or they were avoiding us or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, yeah. it was it was great, you know, that we we talked to as almost as many people as we wanted to. I think that the amount has been really, really good. Um, and the the interviews, the talks have been some of the frankly, I mean, we've both said this, some of the best interviews we've ever done. Right. Oh, by far. 
by far. I, I love the conversations that we were having and, and it just has felt, I mean, ever since Spark uh, and then coming here to ISTE, uh, sorry, Badge Summit yeah. and then ISTE, as we were speaking to people, it's like, okay, we've we've got a groove here we we're actually yep. uh we've got the the right kind of questions and we and we're just uh, just that much more comfortable as far as the interviewing process so uh just thanks so much to everybody that actually came in and was willing to be interviewed because man uh those segments are fantastic yeah so please go back and listen to all the on education presents um with with whoever we're talking to at USM Spark at ISTE. Um, they are really great interviews. We're not just saying that because, you know, they're our stuff. <laughs> it's our content. Uh, they're, they're awesome people, and the conversations were fabulous. We are um, not done, uh, in at least in terms of, like, going places. You're literally, I think, next week, actually. Yes. Well, next week for me is it is next. I guess these are both at the same time. I'm going to Montreal to yep. go to to serious play and you're going to Schoology next in um, Boca Raton, Florida. Florida. So I have a question for you. Is yeah. there a gamification, the musical too? Of course. <laughs> of course. Okay. That, that's why, you've, that's you've... why I'm going to Schoology next. I mean, I thought about uh, serious play Montreal and actually I had a session approved for it, but uh, yeah, but since we had our musical uh, approved again at Schoology next and Jared and I, Jared, Lo Patton and I are working yeah. on it and he's just so amazing. It's basically yes. I mean, he's he's created uh everything basically. So it's kind of like he's the the director, the writer, uh he's the uh dance coordinator. I mean, it's amazing. He's he's definitely I mean, he's a theater instructor anyway at his yeah. school, yeah. but you can tell that. I mean, he's just he knows exactly what he's doing and then his ability to write lyrics that are just hilarious and fun. Right. Uh just a uh, fantastic. So, it should be a great show. We're not actually uh, up against anybody this year. Last year I just by scheduling because I was sick, they moved us, but this year they decided not to put us against anybody, which is smart. Um and then that way people can come to us or they can go to the vendor area, you know, and then you don't it's have to worry. It's practically a keynote at yeah. this point, guys. Yeah, it's so. a, it's it's a double room open thing and, and we're going to try to right. get it re- recorded this time so it's not sideways um uh, and then either stream it live or do something with it so that so that other people get to enjoy it too cuz it's funny. It's funny and fun and uh, we have some audience participation things kind of uh for this year that are going to be hilarious. Oh, and we have man. some special guests jumping into some of the songs so Oh man. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a whole production for real. <laughs> so we're excited. Super excited next the- week already. Yeah, yeah, no, it's happening. Have you yeah. been practicing? Oh yeah, yep. There's a lot, a lot to learn. A lot of, uh, <laughs> a, a lot of lyrics. Just imagine every song. You know the, yeah. you know the songs. You know the melodies, but then you rewrite all the words to it. So that's what we're exactly. doing here. So it's, so that's what I've been working on. Uh, actually, since I came back from Misty, just uh, some of the songs each day. So it should be hilarious. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. I won't be there, but I, I, it needs to be periscoped yeah. because uh, I will be stopping whatever I'm doing. And you need to text me like ahead of time okay. if you can remember to say like it's we're on at whatever time so that I can you know be ready to periscope it for sure uh, from wherever <laughs> I am because uh, like to watch it. Um, I don't know what feed you're gonna put it on. If you put it on the on education feed, that would be sweet. But you don't have to. But whatever, <laughs> whatever, wherever it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. And uh, I, I tell people all the time because I say all the time as someone who delivers a ton of PD uh, in front of people I I don't know and all that stuff that most PD sucks. 
And so, you know, trying to find the way to get good PD delivered and deliver it in a way that's engaging and exciting is important. And there, folks, there is no better session that you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life than this. That's pretty big. Straight hype. up. It, <laughs> no, I'm because I'm it's 100 percent true. You know, even if you just took the text, like if you um, if you took the text out of the songs and just yeah. read it, you would you would be like you would be learning stuff from oh, yeah, that for sure. And then now you're putting it to music and you're mm -hmm. singing and whatever dancing and all of this other nonsense that goes on. <laughs> it makes it, it makes it so much more entertaining. Um, so, you know, that stream needs to happen and, you know, tons of, I'm hyping it up because uh, people, people better tune into this. So, <laughs> uh, you know, school G next is happening and gamification, the musical uh, I'll be at serious play and hanging out yes. with, um, with uh, uh, Sean Young and Paul Davazi and uh, Braun uh, is going to be there and a bunch of awesome. other awesome educators, game-based learning people. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just sitting in, I'm not, I'm not presenting anything. Uh, I'm going to uh, sit in and, and talk to these folks and just hang out for a bit. I'm bringing the whole family. So we're going to spend some vacation time in Montreal touring around and that'll be a ton of fun. We're going to have next week, uh, John Fallon and Paul Darvazi on the show and they're amazing. as our, yes. as our guest. And these guys are doing bonkers work just amazing yeah. stuff together and separately and we'll talk about that so that is what's going to be queued up for a serious play um so so much going on still it's you know so much for <laughs> summers off right yeah no this is this is the the culmination of a of a long uh season especially for you you've gone to like a million conferences so yeah i'm pretty tired it'll hopefully it'll hopefully uh quiet down a little bit after this this week so, so speaking of of going to a lot of conferences, I went right from ISTE to a, a conference in Moncton, New Brunswick, which most people, you know, about seventy percent of our audience wouldn't even know where the hell that is. Um, <laughs> but it's um, New Brunswick is a province, yeah, and yeah. Moncton is uh, one of the larger cities in New Brunswick, probably about uh, if I had to guess, maybe about three hundred thousand people. Mm. Nice, nice yeah. town. Um, this Atlantic Education Summit was an awesome conference uh, in a gorgeous big high school, one of the biggest high schools I've ever seen, frankly, um, and uh, had probably about 300, more than USM, more people at Atlantic Education Summit than USM Spark, for sure. Probably about 350 people yeah. attended this. Um uh, and it got me thinking, and we've been talking a lot about this because of the financial implications. And so we can chat about that. But this value of small conferences um, like um, like AES or USM Spark versus, you know, ISTE. And we also had this on the chat on, on education chat this week. Um, you know, what do you think? What if you had a, like a top line thought about this big versus small conferences, what would it, what, what do you think it would be? I think the smaller conferences, the advantage of them is, uh, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of advantages, but the biggest advantage is that you have an opportunity 
to be able to easily connect with your presenters and your keynote speakers and your featured speakers, all those kind of people, and then just each other. Whereas your larger conference, if you've never been to ISTE, it feels like yeah. you're going like a thousand miles per hour, even though people have a yes. game plan and they've they've developed where they're going to kind of go. But everybody always feels it always feels like everybody's on the run. Um, and, and in these smaller conferences, I I don't, I don't feel that as much so that I, that would be a huge advantage. Uh, but then also there's some other things, of course, like expense. The, it's so expensive Mm -hmm. to go to ISTE. I think that we (laughs) would have probably, we probably spent like after all the Uber, because all those Uber receipts finally came through, right? It's I have like, a bunch of them too. Geez, My God, they're man. ridiculous. Yes, we're we're probably we're probably three thousand dollars in. Yeah, yeah. When it's all said and done, and we were ISC. not, we weren't like being extravagant at all. Not you know, at all. Yeah. No, I mean people be like, "Well, you went out and ate luscious dinner." Well, no, we didn't. We no, we were eating no, at normal places. If we even got to eat, because we were on the run, you know, as far as things going, uh, we might grab the snack from the media uh, lounge and then kept going. Uh, but right. We weren't. We weren't. And then we got breakfast at our hotel. You know. But yeah, my goodness, it's every, and we weren't I, drink. We weren't drinking hardly at all. Like even even myself. No. Which I, I mean. That's what I do, but no, we were <laughs> but, we were working we from were the morning not. to the yeah. night, you know, and then and, and and very, you know, like eating our dinner and then going to bed. I mean, we were like old men, uh, yeah, as far as doing that. But we needed to do that in order to keep up with the pace of the conference, and it's but it's so ridiculously expensive. Anything you're doing to move from one place to the other, you know, to the different events is so ridiculous. So, so we're gonna we're gonna go to Anaheim next year. Yes. Um, for sure, because of a lot of reasons, you have family in and in, in the in the Southern California area, so yes. you can probably stay with them. And I'm probably it looks like we're thinking about bringing the family, yeah, yeah, um, so that so that they can um, go to Disneyland, which is nice. Um, none of my kids have been on airplanes before and not really traveled, you know, any significant amount. Um, so, so we we would be excited to do that, um, but I I'm struggling with whether to go to ISTE in 2021 in San Antonio. Uh, I I suspect that San Antonio is a little bit cheaper to you know stay in than maybe Philadelphia and Chicago, but it's still going to cost us like twenty five hundred three thousand dollars. And I know uh, crazy. when we you know we have all of the stuff now, like all of that equipment and. And, you know, now that we've made our big expenses, you know, a lot of the future expenses are just going to be on <laughs> freaking going hotels, <laughs> right? The hotels, so, and the transportation. It's ridiculous. Yes. Right. <laughs> so if we can divide up that money more efficiently so we can go more places like we could go to two conferences, we could go to like TCEA and Q for the price of going to ISTE. Yeah. And right. We're, and we're and definitely considering ask that. me. Yeah. Right. If you have to ask me whether we want to go to TCA and Q, uh, Spring Q, instead of going to ISI, right now I'm like, hell yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. We could buy a booth. We could buy a booth at Q. Q mm-hmm. booths are like $600, $700. Yeah, that'd be amazing. We, we might be able to afford that yeah. because we're not going to ISI. And then we have a booth in the conference. And it's like, what's better than that? It's that's it's it's definitely tempting yeah and then for those of you that are participants 
if your school pays for it, then, you know, it's not obviously that big of a deal, though the districts have yeah. to decide how they're going to ration out their monies. Um, there is a lot to get at an ISTE, though. I mean, because you're going to have every single type of session that ever exists yes. in, in yep. whether it be pedagogy or ed tech uh, related, uh, th- there's and everything in between. You're going to find a session or multiple sessions about those things. Uh, and you know what I didn't hear this year, Mike, um, is people not being able to get into things, into sessions. So that's – I didn't hear that. That was a big thing last year where people were getting kicked out or they weren't allowed into a session because it was full. I didn't hear yeah, that this year. Yeah, not a lot of that. No. So, but still, I mean it's crazy. It, the thing it does give you though is the ability to be able to attend things you might not otherwise see at a smaller session but or a smaller conference. But – God, I don't know. The price is so ridiculous. So, Well, everyone should go once, in my opinion. Like, it's one of those things that's worth going at least once. Like Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Disneyland for educators. There's our, there's the title. There's the title title of of the show. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's go at least once. It is with that. Yeah, you should go at least once. Um, So, you know, but so take everything we're saying with a grain of salt. We're, We're definitely looking at it through a different lens than yes. than other folks but definitely the people that we're working with and collaborating with are also looking at it through the same lens for sure uh and, and our a lot of our friends are as well looking for the biggest return on investment of money in terms of you know even just the learning you know making sure that you know one of the nice things about some of these smaller conferences is that you know you're still getting some world-class educators um coming to them yes uh, but the sessions are uh, quite a bit smaller like when you can when you can sit in a session on gamification with someone at usm spark and it has you know 30 people in the room um and that same person is doing a session at isti and there's 250 people in the yeah. room um you know the opportunity to ask questions and engage with that person is higher yes, um for sure. at these small conferences and it's the same person so, yeah, totally you know, why? Person. Right. Totally. Maybe even doing the same session because, you know, like me, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have almost like a library of sessions that you deliver uh, for you sure know, kind of thing. And, and so it might even be the exact same session, just in a different atmosphere and environment with a different cadence to it. Um, that's a little more thoughtful and, 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 you know, meaningful for the participants than delivering like a lecture or a speech or something like that. It's like the difference between me doing, um, what's your backflip at connect where I'm on the stage and talking basically like a speech and what the way I did it at LearnFest when it was like, there was maybe 20 people in the room for LearnFest, Uh, and it's totally different. So, um, you know, everyone's a little bit different. And and the perspectives are a little bit different, but um, you know, it was a good experience nonetheless. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to like get too hard on it, but uh, but these little conferences are great, mm-hmm. and people should definitely um, spend some time considering going to those too, right? For sure, man. So when we come back, we actually have back to back interviews for you. First, we will chat with Steve Isaacs. Uh, We'll have our conversation with him from ISTE19. We had an amazing talk about gender equity in esports uh that was that was so so good uh followed by another great chat with maker educator Jesus Huerta. Stay with us. (music) 
All right, everyone, we're here with our friend, friend of the pod. I think we're on probably our fifth or sixth time. <laughs> we're going to actually create a leaderboard Ooh. chart. So you and Noah oh, will, be, gonna... will be head to head. Yes, but and, the number of times that Steve has been mentioned. Ah. Oh, yes. The Steve Isaac's name drop <laughs> right, chart. Yes. Would, would, there would be no competition. Yeah, please, please include that. <laughs> It's in the 98th it's like the percentile. Yeah. Yes. Because as I mean, far as number of episodes that Steve Isaacs gets uh, mentioned on the podcast. Almost yes. every episode. Yes. 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 I mean, I Noah mean, has a, an actual spot. Like yeah. That's pretty cool. I like it. I you like can create it. a spot if you want. Well, yeah. we'll see. But his is great. I mean, I like the, it was a great idea. It plays well. It's a... Uh, you know, fun. Excellent. So you're here at ISTE doing a bunch of stuff, almost all related to esports. So tell us what you're doing. Yeah. Um, thanks. Uh, so yesterday we were at Badge Summit. In fact, Mike, you 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 ran to the stage to join us. Right and, on time. And, yeah. Right. On, exactly. <laughs> it couldn't have been more on time. Um, for our, we did an esports edu panel. We did. Um, and this morning, you know, so that was fantastic. You know, what I love about. Um, the panel format, at least the way I think where that one was presented, and I hope the rest follow suit, is that it was very open to engagement from the audience as well as yeah. um, people outside. And and I, I, I think it allowed us to get deeper into questions that people really are wondering. Yep. Um, you know, I think we have to understand that the audiences that, you know, we often are speaking to are very interested and intrigued, but but it's a new topic you know, for a lot of them. Yeah, and it, it is complicated. We're discovering. And uh, this morning, um, I sat. I, I was part of a workshop on esports and education. It was actually co-sponsored by, I think, Microsoft and CDW. And another great opportunity that they were presenting and, and, are, and are running this thing, I think, three times today to really open up that conversation about what esports is, uh, in that one, I was part of a panel called Meet Your Peers, yeah. where I spoke with uh, a with an individual from uh, the Rutgers esports program who has been very active in, uh, despite starting his program on the collegiate level, supporting middle schools and, and other programs. And the other gentleman on the panel is from Kansas, and they have uh, a full esports, more like a gaming curriculum that's a four credit class in their alternative wow. high school, which is great. And it's going to be branching out to their school district, but uh, they cover a whole lot of things in addition to having an esports team there. Mm. So, you know, people are doing very interesting things and getting into the space in very interesting ways, whether it be extracurricular or during school time. And later this afternoon, I'm on a panel with um, Jay Collins, uh, Elizabeth Newberry, and uh, a librarian that's in their community or in Jay's community in um, in the Cleveland area, a, a public librarian that was has become very involved in esports, and that's really cool because a lot of questions are coming up around you know how can libraries play a part, and uh, you know so it's great to have have that see that in action. And uh, Jay started a, a an interesting approach to esports this year, including a triathlon. So what mm. they did in the Cleveland area um, is they chose they wanted to make it you know more inclusive and also not hyper focused on you know a certain title where they would have had less people involved. So they took three titles and had this triathlon where every team competed in all three games. So, awesome! Oh, yeah. Wow. So typically you had, which is a neat model to consider, um, and each team you know, basically, you know, might have, 
you know, been particularly skilled in one of the games, but it was a very different approach. And I love it because this was on the high school level, but when I think of middle school, I think what a great opportunity to get kids more involved and see, you know, in other words, I want kids to experience competitive gaming, Mm -hmm. but they don't all know. I mean, they're not as hyper-focused yet necessarily. Some are on a particular title. So... Um, so that, that'll be an interesting panel talking about all things esports and education. And then uh, tomorrow, I'm on a superstar <laughs> panel um, on digital citizenship with folks like Brad Wade and Mary Alice Caron, Jamie Donnelly, Kevin um, El Chaha, and I'm missing a few people because there are eight of us on that panel, but it's mm-hmm. called uh, From the uh, Digital Citizenship. I think it's called From the Classroom to the Boardroom, really looking mm. at all aspects of that. Amazing. I love that. So I was thinking about the esports itself and having a diverse, it's interesting to, especially at maybe at younger levels to start off with things like that, what you're talking about as far as a triathlon of things, yeah. instead of hyper-focusing on one game. And those games evolve too, right, Steve? I mean, the, the games that people are, are focusing on as far as the competitions, will continue to evolve and change too, right? As the popularity yeah. goes? That's another interesting thing, right? Like like whatever title's popular in esports today, we don't know. I mean, some of them have had some staying power, but you're right. And, and in this case, the, the community voted also on which title. So it, it allowed more potential for um, a greater greater voices to be, be heard in that process. And, um, you know, and Rocket League was one of them, and, and I've been very involved with that at my middle school level, so it's a great title for esports. Um, they they played Hearthstone. I don't know if anybody here is a fan of Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and they, you know, and it's interesting because um, you should definitely have Jay on the, the pod because, um, you know, they'll talk about a lot of the challenges, you know, and successes, um, and for a pilot program, you know, I think it was tremendous. So we've been having a lot of really interesting discussions. There's a lot of complicated topics to talk about when it comes to esports, and we're really at the ground level of talking about them, which is awesome. And one of the big issues we're talking a lot about right now, uh, and on Twitter in particular, is inclusivity. Okay, so there was this presenter and <laughs> had a slide, and, and it said there should not be right. a women's esports league. Right. And I was, I wanted to say... And my point was, let's make sure that women are the ones that that say whether or not that they want this or not. And actually, why don't we bring in some people who have or are currently in the situation and are pro female gamers, esports athletes, and that they can then tell us about what it, what is this like, right. you know, and is the is should there be a specific pathway? Right. But, but I wasn't thinking, of right. course I wasn't, because I, I'm ignorant of this specific fact, and I'll totally admit it, that we just by even stating that part, right. I'm actually excluding a third party, and maybe multiple parties from there. Yeah. It's not even just a third party. Right. It's like a whole bunch of other people who we've always excluded yeah. by making this conversation only be about right. male-female. And that right there is a great conversation to have and a great learning opportunity and also a great... Thing to be able to say, come away with it and go like, oh yeah, I actually this is broader than right. male, and you, female, and I, right? And you and I think we need the the very strong advocates to continue to remind us of that part. So it's you know it you know it, it might have felt like an attack or what have you, but I think the idea was when you're in the in a situation where you're continually 
reminding, I mean, at least you want to continue to raise that awareness at every opportunity possible. So I, I, I believe that it, that was the spirit in yeah. which it was, you know. Yeah. I mean, the real question that I think is, is even more important perhaps is um, when we talk about traditional sports that are same sex, because the, 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 a big part of that comment was where do the non-binary people, you know, where do people who identify as non-binary fit in, but in a traditional sport, like in other words, that's where we're going to be struggling for a while because in other words, if, if you identify as, I mean, I think we're making progress. If you identify as male or or, or, what if you identify as non-binary, then where do you, do you play on a, do you just choose which male or female, if they're same sex teams, do we stop calling them? That, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot there. It's complicated. And the ground is moving under our feet, under our feet constantly. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I just want to have, like, these are tough conversations and there's lots of tough conversations. Right. And, um, I just, I don't like when people, I don't want to take it from, like I said, from two to 10 instantly. You've. What it limits is what you're discussing here, Mike, is number one, you're open. you, You are very open-minded and and actually i mean as far as in positions you are super on the left i can't no but i'm just saying and so i'm like this close to being a communist for god's (laughs) sake but i'm just saying as far as even in the social type of position whatever it might be you're uh you're you're open-minded and you're and you're wanting to have these discussions but when if the discussion becomes so this or that yeah that it shuts down the argument. People mm-hmm. stop talking about right. the topic, and then progress stops too. Mm-hmm. That's what that's that's what you don't want well, to happen. Right? Is, is you want to continue to have the conversation 100%. without feeling like you're going to be attacked because we're all learning. And, right. And we and all want to learn. Your position might be that no, there should not be. We still might land at the exact same spot that inclusive. we all think we should, and that 100%. might be your position. But yeah. but you want other people to be able to at least discuss it. The yeah, it, it's these are all challenging things. Equity. Um, well, because the volume, the we were in the car talking about it, and the the actual problem, other than like there's like the toxicity and the the masculinity of the whole thing, but one of the big issues is that there's just not enough people. Like the actual bodies, the number of the volume of women right. in this is low, and yeah, well, well, I want to remember distribution. <clears throat> but remember, yes. I think the argument there too was not as much about men or women, but I think it's the fact that we're still segregating men and women and leaving a group out of that conversation. That's true. That's where I think the... That's, the, the, that's where... The, 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 the non-binary part comes in. So in other words, it wasn't... I mean, the argument might still be that inclusive all around is the answer, even if we were... Even if it was only a question of men and women and if it brought more women, but it's the... it's There are other people that are excluded then. Yeah, you know what I mean? I so that, that's where I think we're... I think that's where the... the um, that's where it gets real sticky. When we frame, we're, we are framing the conversation like, it, and someone put that, it's like we have always framed this con- between a, a two sexes. Right. And so we're excluding right. people and right off the bat. That's, the, that's where I think So this is an opportunity to. actually with esports to start a completely wow. new conversation. Totally. And to kind of say, you know what, we don't need to follow those old rules. Right. I think that's what somebody was saying. We don't need to follow those rules, but, but, we need to continue to have this conversation without feeling 
Yes. When we when we speak in any on any topic, I, I and I think this happens on both the left and the right of of social issues and political issues, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Sometimes people just shut down that are just kind of in the middle, trying to right. trying to pick up and learn mm-hmm. and and be educated about things because they're afraid of being quickly attacked, right, right. either you know through social media or just in in real life. So you try to avoid those topics, and the more that we avoid them, the less progress we're going to make. And I think that that's exactly where you were leading. Is mm-hmm. Mike is leading? The, it wants to open up this conversation, right. but without having to feel like, hey, right. there's, there's I'm, a, I'm not transphobic. Right, I'm not, right, right, I, right. I, I don't have no, phobia. I, I want to open up these things. I want to actually have this discussion because too many people actually, number one, don't even know that this right even exists. But uh, I also, think, yeah, go ahead. I think we want inclusivity i don't think anybody would deny that right so i think and what you just said glenn which really resonates with me is esports being new um and us making i hope significant forward progress with um inclusivity and um lgbt plus um i think we do have a, a unique opportunity to from essentially the beginning you know we're a little beyond the beginning but and and we still have issues around it, so we're not really so at the beginning. But but be, be but we have an opportunity to be right. inclusive and do it right. All right, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Always always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Jesus Huerta is a maker and educator with a great specialization in 3D printing, and he joins us on the podcast today. Welcome to the show, man. Hi. How's everybody doing? Doing good, bud. So, Jesus, can you introduce yourself to our audience, your location, and what you do? Uh, So, my name is Jesus Huerta. I'm usually fifth grade, between fifth and sixth grade teacher. Um, I bounce back and forth a lot uh, between those two grades. I'm in Central California, so that's not on the map usually so it's about an hour and a half east of uh an hour and a half east of san diego about 20 minutes from the mexico border so we're out in the middle of the desert very cool i so his this i have no problem calling you an expert in 3d printing all you have to do is take a look at this guy's twitter profile folks to uh to to see all the bonkers stuff uh he's doing um so is this what is it you think about 3d printing that's so appealing to educators and so valuable to education in general i mean if if you look up 3d printing you'll you'll get a lot of information online about like how and machines for sale but if you look a little deeper there's a lot of education technology out there that's coming that's changing how we live how long we're going to live and let me give you a couple examples um they just 3d printed a house i think last november in 24 hours for i think like less than ten thousand dollars wow right um solid looking house it's i mean and i mean they're going to use it first for i think homes and people that need homes in south america so right there when the kids learn about that they're like oh somebody's using this and and i'll talk to them about it you know why are they doing that first and you know really good responses about service and and doing what's right but also um bio printing where they're 3d printing skin for skin grafts so it perfectly matches the person um there's retinas that I think right now they're already testing. I know they've already created them, but they haven't tested them on humans, but I think they're testing them on, on mice and other animals. 
Um, so now say you have cataracts, so you get them at a very young age or even when you're older, um, they'll take your blood, some of your DNA and just whip up some retinas. And it sounds crazy, That's crazy, yes. you know, <laughs> but I remember seeing like minority report and like Johnny mnemonic and, you mm. know, hacking the body kind of thing. And now it's like. Okay, you know what? My my thyroid doesn't work like it used to. That's that's something that happens. I'm diabetic, so I know there's yeah. issues with my thyroid gland. Um, now maybe in five years, and I'm gonna say five years, but it might be even less. I might be able to go down to the doctor and say, "Hey, you know what? My thyroid feels funny. Oh, let's put a new one." It sounds ridiculous, but it's happening. <laughs> right? It's it's here now. So yeah. at Q 2019, you presented a pitch in the Leroy's Big Idea competition to use 3D printing to print prosthetic hands. We'd love to hear how you got the idea for this and then the process of going through the pitch and then some of the results. So I got my first printer, it was about five years ago. I got it donated through Donors Choose. So if you've never heard of it or you use it, or if you're an admin, please support teachers that want to use it. If you're not a teacher, get on there and put something on there um, because there's companies that just randomly are like, hey, we got money that we want to donate. Oh. We like this idea, that idea. And they just fully awesome. fund them. Um, and I was just, back then, I just looked around to see what I could find online and models and how do I design. And right away, I saw prosthetic hands. And I saw how much it cost. And I thought, well, my printer was about $1,500. i am like, wow, for less than 2000 back then. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, I could print one for somebody. But the time it takes, you know, that's another issue. But... Um, regardless, I was like, wow, this is like amazing. No prosthetic hands at work. And as I continued, I kept thinking, how can I get it in my classroom? How can I do it where it's, you know, feasible? Cause it takes long to print certain parts. Um, so for this year's, um, big idea, well, yeah, this year we're still in 2019, huh? Um, this is actually my second time as a finalist. Um, yeah. I, was, I was a finalist two or three years ago. And I had this pitch where the kids make a video game and there's writing and art, all this technology built into that lesson. But this one, I wanted something where it would teach the kids empathy, um, teach them about service and what's more, what, what, what's truer service than going to someone and saying, hey, you know what, you had this accident, let me help you. You know, that's amazing. And um, the idea was for $1,000, you can get a smaller beginner printer, uh, yeah. a medium-sized beginner printer, 10 kits, um, which is the hardware you need for the hand. And the one that I printed, it's called Raptor Reloaded, um, and a bunch of filaments. So for $1,000, you could print 10 hands. Mm. So now you're talking about 10 people that can have their lives changed. Wow. Um, and ha hoping, hoping that, you know, finding a way to get in contact with the people that receive the hands um, the kids that, say, put it together, they don't know that they're going to build it for someone. Instead, what happens is they, you know, this group, oh, you're going to build one this size, you're going to build one that size, and you're just going to put them together. But they disappear one weekend because I'm shipping them out to Enable. That's the group that finds people in need of prosthetics. Yes. So the idea was hopefully get in contact with the people that receive them. And the kids come in one day and there's, you know, some chairs lined up up front. Oh, this group, go sit down. We have somebody who wants to speak to you. And it's the person that they helped. So they get to meet them, talk to them, ask them questions. And then throughout the whole thing, tons of reflections. But I think that one would be the most powerful one. So I'm hoping this year that's coming up, um, I can do that. 
That's that sounds super amazing, and what a what a great way to be able to get your kids involved in a, in a I mean, what a project. So some listeners may be uh, thinking about this right now because you know budgets are so tight, and the 3D ex- uh, printers can be so expensive as you were describing the cost there. But we know that may not be the case because you often share out printers that folks could buy without it being you know breaking the bank. So can you share out a few of those here right now and and what you like about them? Sure. Um, there's if you go like eBay, you'll find a lot of do-it-yourselves for like a hundred bucks. But I feel like there's some teachers out there that will say, you know what, hey, I, I want to put it together. I'm I'm tech savvy or like using my hands and building. But I know there's some teachers that are like, I need this something, you know, something additional in my classroom, and they might not have the time or be able to put it together or understand it. Um, so there's one that's $189. It's it's metal because there's some that are actually plastic and they'll wobble yeah. a lot. So you got to weigh them down. Um, but those are pretty much like gone already. I mean, you might be able to find a couple of them out there. Um, but the one that um, I always suggest is the Monoprice Mini V2. It's $189. Um, so when teachers hear that price, they're like, oh, so, so they get you with the material. It's got to be expensive. Yeah. Um, no, a roll of filament on average is about 20 bucks. There's different types of material, but the one that most people use is PLA. It's the safest, easiest to use. Um, with a roll, I could probably print five prosthetic hands. You wow. Know? Um, That's crazy. It, yeah. If I'm talking about like keychains or little nameplates, which is a, an activity I do at the beginning of the year to welcome into the classroom, they come in and instead of finding paper nameplates, I get the roster and the couple weeks before school starts, I 3D print their nameplates. So when they walk in, they find them there. No you way. could print six, six to seven hundred nameplates if you wanted to. It's it's because when you 3D print, it's not completely solid. It does a honeycomb pattern inside. So sure, it gives right. it that that strength. So you can make it more solid or solider, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's $189. You take it out of the box, take some tape off for some of the parts that could you know be sliding and moving around while shipping. And you're good to go. I even have a tutorial on my blog on how to set that one up because I recommend it so much. And if someone wanted Mm -hmm. to go big right away, um, I I ran into Glenn at uh, ISTE. I don't know if he saw my giant paper clip (laughs) that I had on my neck. Um, (laughs) There's one that prints really, really large items. And that one is less than $400, about $380. And that one is... It could probably print like five times as big as the other one. And it it just really depends on the person's budget. If they have the budget and they're like, you know what, we're going to have it in the library and we want, you know, three top notch printers. What's your budget? Five grand. Go with Lulzbot. Go with um, the Prusa printers, you know, or we're going to make a legit makerspace. We got 50,000 then get some raised 3D printers. Those are about seven grand each. But I feel like a lot of teachers, they want to dip their toe in and they're like, what if I don't like it? What if I break the machine? So, so true. Yes. When they hear 200 bucks, they're like, yeah, I could pitch that to my you know, admin. If I happen to break it, then it's not such a bad deal. And I, and I always tell people, well, if you break it, just reach out to me and I'll see how I can help you, you know, get it back and run up and running. You know, inevitably, the hardest thing about any you know, next level kind of teaching strategy. We talk about, 
you know, games-based learning and gamification being things that um, some educators are a little bit shy to get into. 3D printing is totally on that kind of same level, making um, makerspace type things. Um, so I guess the question is, how do you start? If someone was just wanting to get going, get into this, where where would you, as an expert at this for sure, where do you think people should just start if they were looking to dip their toes in the water, so to speak? Well, if if they're jumping in because they want to have a makerspace, I would say first cultivate a lot of the hands-on, real easy-to-use items like Play-Doh, Legos, um, Connects, the little snapping cubes, um, sure. popsicle sticks, things like that. Um, yeah. But if they already have experience with that or they're like, you know what, I want to go, you know, head first, let's do this. Um, I would say first ask around your district because every time I, I do a session or I teach a class up at a Krauss Center for Innovation in San Jose, um, I always ask, do you have printers? And a lot of people say, yeah, but it's in the box. You know, nobody used it. And that's why I'm here. Oh, boy. I want to start using it. And they're like, I have, like I mentioned, somebody goes, oh, well, we have a Lulz bot in the box. I'm like, it's like gold right there. I'm like, you're, you're, that thing needs to get taken out and, and all that. So for those people that right now say they're listening and they have one like in the corner of their office, just take it out of the box and plug it in. Now it's not out of sight, out of mind. Um, and then... Use Twitter. Start looking online. Ask somebody in the district, who's ever used this? Who can I talk to? And if they go on Twitter and just start looking up like 3D print EDU or 3D printing, they'll inevitably find someone that can help them. Or they can reach out to myself or my uh, my buddy, Paul Gordon. We have a website that we, we built together. Um, I would say just try it. Like yeah. th there's a big misconception that you know, it's really difficult to load up the plastic. Um, you turn it on, you hit a button, you go to settings, you rotate it, uh, hit a button again, put the temperature, and then you squeeze a little handle and you push in the plastic and it pops out. Now it's loaded. And awesome. I, I showed some people how to load it and they were like, wait, that's it? I'm like, yeah. They're like, but it's got to be like impossible to print. I'm like, no, you find a file. That's why I have students do first. And I, and I do the same thing with teachers. I give them something first, which is their nameplate. By Friday of the first week, they're printing. I don't wait a month or, or you know, spring break. We'll have time. That's why I have five printers because we got to start printing right away. Right. Um, so they find something that's already created and they set it to print. And I have teachers do the same thing. And then I tell them now design something and print it. And after that, most of them don't go back to finding stuff unless they need it to manipulate it. Um, I think people get scared because they see like pictures of like huge blobs of plastic. Actually, that just comes off really easy. You just heat it back up and pull it off. And then most of the time it just comes off as a clump. But mm -hmm. I think people see the horror stories and they're like, oh, it's got to be impossible. And it's, it's not anymore. So we have a blog post by Jesus that's going to be on our on our website coming up soon. Uh, I've I've read it a, a bunch of times and 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 I'm really excited to to share it out. Um, and other otherwise, um, Jesus, how can people connect with you, learn from you, share out your your socials, your website, all of all of that stuff, so people can can reach out if they want to learn more. Sure. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jesus H1979. So that's J-E-S-U-S-H-1979. 
um, follow me there or just look at my my history and you'll find some stuff on 3D printing, other stuff too. But you, this has like been my, I guess the thing that I just keep focusing on, I keep coming back to it. Um, if they want to see tutorials on how to use 3D printing in the classroom, I have my blog, which is mrwertasclass.weebly.com. Um, in my email, let's teach 1979 at gmail.com. Also, the website that I built with uh, Paul Gordon, he's also a big 3D print guy uh, in, in education. Um, easy as 123D.org. Um, any of those sites or. It's a good website. Yeah, he came up with the name. I can't take credit for that. I should, but I can't. <laughs> um, any of those. And I mean, if, if for some reason they're like, I can't get it to work, I mean, it, I, I hope somebody could reply to you know what they hear now, but I'll make like a Skype, I'll make a Zoom video, I'll make a GIF and just say, you know what, this is what you're doing wrong. Or, you know, you're right here at this step. This is the next step. You're almost there. Amazing. Jesus, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will put all of his contact information in the show notes. Thanks, man, so much. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we'd be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or on the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.